Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. I'm using every lever available to me to bring down prices for the American people. I don't think a recession is at all inevitable. I think a recession is inevitable at some point. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. The select committee on January, you know, like these people are legitimate. Every one of them is a radical left hater. I'm Eric Greitens, Navy SEAL, and today we're going rhino hunting. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Senators reach a deal on guns, but will they see eye to eye on fighting inflation? Welcome to the fastest hour in politics with a late breaker on gun safety legislation and a new Democratic plan, or is it new for the economy. We'll discuss the chances either actually get done with Isaac Boltanski, Managing Director, Policy Research at BTIG. Later, President Biden says he'll decide on a gas tax holiday by the end of the week. What impact would it have? We'll talk about it with Patrick DeHaan of Gas Buddy. And the Sound On Signature panel is back. Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano putting the band back together on the Tuesday edition. I hope you had a long weekend. Thank you for being with us. Senator Chris Murphy breaks the news here. Democrat from Connecticut says they have a deal on gun safety legislation. Declining, however, as I read from Stephen Dennis on the terminal, declining to discuss how the negotiators resolved issues in the talk, saying they're still, well, actually discussing the timing for releasing the text of the deal. So it's not likely to happen before this hour is over. Having said earlier, it'll be out shortly. The Senate, they say, could have its work done by the weekend. Remembering this compromise bill uh, was supposed to include red flag incentives for states and expanded background checks for gun buyers under 21, along with a few other things. We don't have to go through the boyfriend loophole and all of that. Now we'll see what ends up in the final bill, assuming there is one. The president says he is going to reserve comment until it's out great pleasure to bring in isaac boltanski managing director director of policy research at btig we need somebody big picture to start this hour because it was a busy and long weekend isaac welcome back there's been a lot of concern about due process surrounding specifically the red flag component uh of this uh i guess soon to be legislation i don't want to pretend something is actually sitting in front of us. Do you think they can actually get this done? And the clock is obviously ticking. It's nice to be with you on an update. Thank you for the invitation. Here, so here. on the on the gun side, I will tell you, 
I think that there is a clear path to passage. I think that we will see a deal uh, announced with the specifics in the next few hours, maybe tomorrow morning. But as we've learned time and time again, the motivator for lawmakers is so often the calendar. And the jet fumes are also in play here because they're trying to leave town for two weeks at the end of this week. And that is an undeniable motivator, especially for these lawmakers who are running for re-election. Well, obviously, we need to see what is inside this bill. Uh, or, or do you feel like that's kind of predetermined? They've already telegraphed. It's just a matter of the, the fine print. Yeah. So, look, I think that what we have right now is a the broad contours of a deal. But there are still some areas that I'm going to be looking for more specificity. The one is the boyfriend loophole that you mentioned. And the other is very important. It's how are they going to structure federal grants to states? in relation to uh, state level, the imposition of state level red flag laws. Now, I think that that's pretty easy to structure around, given some of the existing programs at Department of Justice and elsewhere. But those are the two issues where I'm looking to see, did they come to a agreement that can actually move this bill quickly? Or is the hand wringing and negotiation going to continue into next month? Well, we're, I guess, going to find out together here uh, because they have more to talk about. Uh, Isaac, and, and I wanted to ask you about this. Following the talk of inflation and recession all weekend, you can't apparently the president can't take a walk on the beach with his family without uh, talking about this. Uh, he was in Rehoboth. There a couple of interesting uh, moments to get to here because we're really trying to figure out not only what's happening with inflation, but is, is a recession kind of in in the cards here. The market's certainly been trying to price one in. President Biden asked about it specifically on the beach. If we can walk through a couple of these uh, pieces of sound, uh, says, no, no. He had a special phone call actually earlier in the day. Here's what he said. Our problem. even more likely than ever. Not the majority of them aren't saying that. Come on, don't make things up, okay? Now you sound like a Republican politician. I'm joking. That was a joke. That was a joke. But all kidding aside, no, I don't think it is. I was uh, talking to Larry Summers this morning, and uh, there's nothing inevitable about a recession. I was talking to Larry Summers this morning, who, of course, has been calling out the administration for months on Bloomberg about inflation uh, being out of our reach here and the likelihood of stagflation. He said just on Sunday, his guess is we will have a recession. So. The president, though, went on to say, Isaac, that, you know, we could get some things. He said it was, quote, uh, we'll be able to get a change in Medicare and a reduction in the cost of insulin. So he's talking about this sort of the leftovers of Build Back Better that might be shaped into a newer, smaller, more streamlined bill that that he seems to think is is the antidote here for inflation. Am I reading it right? I think that there are two buckets that he's now referencing, because just to be clear, there there isn't a sweeping legislative package to come to battle inflation. There's no great plan that can that can pass this Congress anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So I think what the White House is focusing are two different buckets. The first is generally referred to as the China Competitiveness Bill, uh, sometimes called USICA or Competes Act. But that would actually provide funding to encourage the domestic manufacturing of semiconductors Mm -hmm. and help ease some of the global shortages. That's becoming law. We're going to have to wait probably another couple months before it's finally law. But that's getting done. It's already in conference. If you can get all 100 conferees out of the room for a minute, somebody can get something done maybe. Exactly. Sometimes you have too many cooks in the kitchen, and that's often the case in D.C., but we are 
we're exceedingly bullish on that deal getting done. There's okay. too much agreement around it. The other bucket is the amorphous bucket. It's the one you and I probably could have had the same conversation about a year ago, let alone six months ago, which is what, if anything, can Democrats agree to pass via reconciliation? And at the moment, nothing has changed. There's still a viable package conceivably that Democrats can agree to around um, drug pricing negotiations and clean energy and certain tax changes. But we haven't seen agreement from Joe Manchin, the most important Joe in all of DC, yeah. or Senator Sinema from Arizona. And so until I see movement from them, it's far too premature to even start conjecture around whether any deal that they agree to would pass the House. It's just, it's incredibly difficult for me to be bullish about this renewed reconciliation effort, given the calendar and the fact that none of the underlying legislative dynamics have changed in a year. Right. And they'd, they'd have to be passing this on the eve of the election. Uh, to your point, though, Yusika, gosh, we've been talking about it. I can't count the conversations with Secretary Romando on this. Everybody wants the CHIP Act. Nobody seems to agree on the language, but, you know, everyone also... Uh, in your your corner of the world, Isaac, seems bullish about this. The leadership keeps saying they're going to get it done. So maybe that is actually the last the last win of this session. I want to get back to the conversation from over the weekend. Janet Yellen adds to this. You heard President Biden, the recession, not inevitable. I just talked to Larry Summers. Janet Yellen shows up on ABC this week. Here's what she said about it. It's natural now that we expect a transition to steady and stable growth, but I don't think a recession is at all, at all inevitable. In all, it's almost the same exact language. I do enjoy the, the messaging lately, too, has been, you know, it's been gangbusters, but now it's going to get back to more of a steady, sustainable growth for families. Uh, enter Elon Musk here on Bloomberg. Exclusive conversation. And his take on whether a recession is likely, he's talking about this uh, earlier today on Bloomberg. This, of course, not a member of the administration uh, with a very different take. I think a recession is inevitable at some point. As to whether there is a recession in the near term, um, I think that is more likely than not. Uh, it certainly isn't. A, it's not a certainty, but um, it appears more likely than not. So there you have it. Isaac, it's difficult to tell where we're going here, but it's interesting how much uh, the different camps are being formed around recession is not inevitable or a recession, frankly, is absolutely in the cards. How could you not have one after a, a 10 year boom? I mean, I think a lot of us still believe that the business cycle itself is not dead and that a recession will occur at some point. I'll tell you, there's a healthy debate here in D.C. about when that will be, just as there is in the markets already. But what's striking to me and what I continue to talk to my clients about is when we get that next recession, it is unlikely that we are going to see anywhere near as much fiscal support as we saw last time. And I think that's important to highlight for folks, who especially who are looking at consumer credit and other parts of the economy that did benefit so much from our response to COVID. That isn't happening again. There is no appetite on Capitol Hill for that type of fiscal response to the next downturn. And so doesn't sound we'll like you buy talk at. of a of a shallow brief downturn then if that's the case. 
All that I can be certain of is that the conversation on Capitol Hill has turned uh, negative in both parties in terms of, of potential for uh, additional fiscal responses. So whenever that downturn is and however deep it is, I can tell you with some certainty that Capitol Hill won't be there to help anywhere near as much as they were last time. And we'll huh. once again have to look to the Fed to save and or hurt uh, the recovery, depending upon your view of, of their role. I only have a few seconds. Is a gas tax holiday or, or no? No, I think it's incredibly um, difficult to see that going forward. And it's That's also something. viewed by, by many as just bad policy. Yeah, including apparently the Speaker of the House. So who's counting? Uh, Isaac Boltansky, great conversation. I'm glad to have you back. Managing Director and Director of Policy Research at BTIG with a smart take on what's happening at the beginning of a short week, at least here inside the bubble. We'll assemble the panel next. Rick Davis is back with us. And of course, Jeannie Shanzano make our signature panel. We'll check traffic and the markets for you on the way. Welcome back to reality in the fastest hour in politics. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. They say a deal could emerge as soon as this week. A fresh economic plan, as the headline reads on the terminal, fresh. Even though they might look a little stale, some of these ideas, because you heard of most of them before. It was part of Build Back Better, and I know we did away with the brand, but it looks like it could be reshaped into something as we were just discussing with Isaac. It is my pleasure to assemble the panel. We've got them all back here. Rick Davis with us, Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors. Rick, we missed you for the better part of a week, so I'd love to hear from you first on this. Maybe you had a dream this was happening. Maybe Maybe you never walked away from Build Back Better, but this is the antidote 
to our raging uh, inflation here as the president continues to bring up ideas that uh, that they have, including a gas tax holiday, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on. What makes this different other than the size? And that might be enough. I realize that the, the, the headline number. But as we inch closer to November, what makes this more possible than, say, it was a year ago? Well, first of all, I would have to say I don't think it was even possible a year ago. Okay. I don't think it was a good idea a year ago. Uh, and, and I'm not sure it's a good idea now. Uh, the reality is they're looking at everything they can get their hands on that will be uh, reducing the cost for consumers. So lower drug prices, you know, any kind of tax uh, abatements they can make. Uh, subsidies for the Affordable Care Act are about to expire, which will increase everybody's premiums. All those things are, would be healthy for inflation, but none of those things have general agreement across the Senate, especially not with Joe Manchin. So unless Big Joe says so, yeah. it's not going to happen. So, Jeannie, this is about being caught in the act of trying to do something. Uh, the, what's, what, what, what I'm reading on the terminal here, this is from our White House team. Uh, Jennifer Jacobs, Josh Wingrove, the best in the business. They've got sources telling them that there will be uh, uh, something on capping the price of insulin, right? The federal investments in both clean energy and fossil fuels. And then the tax conversation likely attacks on the wealthy uh, to lower the deficit. These were all in the mix already. Would they work? They they could work. Um, and, and, you know, you had mentioned in the previous segment, Larry Summers, we heard he put out, you know, uh, it didn't put out, but he talked about a three-part plan over the weekend. The president said he had spoken with him. You know, the reality of this for the White House is that they are facing the worst environment for Democrats going into a midterm since polling began in 1938, and they know it. We've never seen the president's party have losses less than five seats except for three elections and guess what the president's approval rating in each one was over 60 percent biden's under 40 so this is a disaster the only way out of this is not rhetoric but it's getting the economy in shape and that means controlling inflation so they're going to try everything they can including pushing for you know they're not going to get a bipartisan uh, deal on any of this so you know reconciliation is the way that means if joe manchin would get on board and they can hold the rest of the democrats they have a shot at this but it's better to be seen doing something than nothing and that's what i think they're going to push for i think the pharmaceuticals you know addressing those costs are probably the best you know first step on this Mm -hmm. one thing that we understand they have come to a deal on at least in the senate is this gun safety legislation that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks rick you were very optimistic about this from the beginning granted uh it doesn't go very far we're talking about incentivizing states to have red flags and expanding background checks for uh, for for buyers under 21, that actually surprised some people. You see this going all the way? Is the House going to jump on board? Yeah, I, I can't imagine the House is going to miss an opportunity for even incremental reform. Uh, and I think this is greased in the Senate. I, you, I wouldn't su- be surprised that you don't get 25 Republicans on this bill uh, oh. by the time it gets to the floor. Okay. So I think it'll move, and it'll move fast once they finally hit the floor. And now that they've agreed to language, it shouldn't be much time at all. 25 Republicans, Jeannie, does that does that make this no longer a Democratic issue? 
If they could get 25 Republicans, they have the bipartisan support they want. As you mentioned, it's not the deal that that many people wanted in the Democratic side, but it is a step forward. But I would just caution. They say they have struck a deal. We haven't seen the language yet. Go back to 2009. The longer this drags on and members of Congress return home, as Cornyn did over the weekend to face booze in his own convention. He sure did. He can withstand that. We know that. He hasn't lost an election in 40 years. He's still plowing forward. But other members of Congress are going to face the same pressure. And so I would be cautious here. It looks promising at this point, but I am still not sold that they're going to push this through. But if they can get 25 Republicans on board, that's a great step forward. They also have to hold these purple state Democrats as well. And that is going to be a challenge because they are facing really facing really strong headwinds. Yeah, Rick, John Cornyn got booed just, I mean, it was deafening. He's standing there at the podium. It's kind of embarrassing uh, over the weekend. You try to laugh it off, but is, does he does he harm himself in the long run or, or help himself in Texas specifically with this move? Well, you know, look, I mean, he's going to have to overcome any negatives associated with this. And we do know that these uh, gun issues tend to recede in importance to both Republicans and Democrats. Even and in Texas? It, sure, even in Texas. Look, I mean, I, I work for a guy, John McCain, who got booted every Republican event he ever went to. <laughs> And he won the Republican nomination. So it didn't stop him from being successful. And I think Cornyn will be in the same boat. Plus, if this passes, there'll be an enormous amount of goodwill out there amongst the media and other people in the state. Uh, And so even though some of the core Republicans, remember, the people go to conventions are, Mm -hmm. you know, the the activists of the activists. And uh, uh, he'll he'll see a boost, actually, in the general population. So uh, if he can be the author of a gun deal, the first one in 25 years, it It'll be just fine for him. Rick and Jeannie, our signature panel on a Tuesday here on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington as we turn to the idea now of a gas tax holiday, or should it be a gas rebate card? You know, apparently there are not enough computer chips to maybe even make that happen. Uh, We're going to talk about this next, whether they'd actually work with Patrick DeHaan of Gas Buddy, and we'll bring the panel back in. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. So, This idea of suspending the gas tax, this is, what, 18 cents a gallon, right? You put, uh, what, 60 bucks in the car over the weekend? For some people, it depends what you're driving here, of course. It'd be a couple of couple three dollars of of a break, which, look, that's that's great. It adds up over time. But this may not be the president's decision. That's the part that I'm curious about. You saw reporters catch up with him on the beach, Rehoboth Beach, over the weekend. God, did it look beautiful like an ad for Delaware. But he stopped down and he talked about this along with you heard him talking about the chances of a recession earlier and says, I'm considering it. I hope to have a decision by the end of the week. But as I read on the terminal, the move likely would require congressional approval and could not be taken via executive action. So you start digging into this a little bit more and you realize actually there's a bunch of legislation, a number of lawmakers have introduce legislation that would do this very thing. The question is, would it have enough impact to stop paying into the highway trust fund? You know, that's where that money goes. Patrick DeHaan is back with us, the head of petroleum analysis at Gas Buddy, who's uh, become a real expert on all of this stuff on our behalf. It's great to have you back, Patrick. Your, Your first blush on this, I know you probably see these on the state level a lot. What would it mean on the federal level? Would it actually have an impact or would gas companies keep the money? No, it certainly would have an impact. And every state that we've seen state gasoline taxes waived, we've seen the prices coming down. It really has depended on how the 
legislation is written, whether it's retroactive, of course, stations have thousands of gallons of fuel they have under their uh, under their uh, stations that they may have paid at a taxed rate. So uh, really just depends on how quickly uh, they get relief from that. It will likely bo- uh, bring prices down. It will, of course, take time. But I fully expect that if there is a tax holiday, stations would simply pass it along. It may take uh, some time, though, for yeah. them to sell through taxed inventory. Okay, so you've got to get rid of what's in the tank already. But then at that point, would it actually drop by 18 cents? Could you w- w- could you quantify it that easily? Well, it absolutely should. Uh, now, where So the talk of gouging is, is not cents. real then. Well, you know, every state that we've seen a gas tax holiday implemented, it's fully passed along. Mm-hmm. The, the, the complicating factor is that wholesale prices can move up at the same time that tax rates have gone down, yeah. thus offsetting what you might see at the pump, right? The outside yes, pump, right. Uh, the, the sign doesn't say it went down 18 cents. Well, that's because <laughs> wholesale prices continue moving up. So, uh-huh. uh, But in every state, Maryland, Connecticut, New York, Georgia, we've seen the full decrease passed along. Kind of like when you release a million barrels a day from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and crude goes up by a lot more after that, you, it might not look like you're doing a lot, Patrick. Yeah, you know, it, it, it certainly may not look that way. But, you know, stations are competitive. There's, there's, you know, such a diversity among station owners that if their costs suddenly, if, you know, taxes went down 18 cents, well, guess what? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't take long before one station says, well... I'm going to cut my price a penny because I have more margin. And then the other one will do the same. And that's Uh why things will eventually get whittled down uh, to where the the tax tax holiday is passed along. What a business. What's your take on the rebate card? Is it, it, this is obviously a different approach. And from what I'm reading now, we may not even have access to the computer chips to make them. uh, But uh, that's a different approach here. Would it be as impactful? I think it would be more in that uh, I, I'm more worried about it because it would rush out and make people want to buy gas. Or it, it, you know, if you give $100 in free gas to somebody on a card, what are they going to do? They, so they, more they impactful in the wrong way, you're saying. Yeah, exactly. It may, it may exacerbate uh, the, the widening imbalance between supply and demand. People would say, oh, look, I've got this you know, yeah. free five tanks of gas. I'm going to go a road take trip. a trip with this. <laughs> exactly. So... There's a risk depending on how this is, is the relief has passed along. I'd, you know, I'd rather see it not in even a federal gas tax holiday, but you know, do the math or whatever. Send people mm-hmm. a $100, $200 rebate check and say, this is for gas. Use it as you want it. Some people <laughs> use it for gas. Some people yeah. won't. But that at least won't have Americans rushing out to try and take advantage of lower prices and, and make the situation worse. God, I don't think we're sending checks again to everybody for a while. Uh, but I'll say uh, the idea that the president has been uh, suggesting that that big oil is is ripping off Americans. He said Exxon made more money than God. He's pointing to thirty five billion dollars in profits. And we've got a meeting now. We understand will happen Thursday, not with the president, but with the energy secretary and, and the heads of companies like Exxon, Chevron, BP and so on. Uh, the 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 line from the White House here, Patrick, is that. These companies cut capacity and are refusing to bring it back to pre-COVID levels, specifically even when asked, refining capacity. But then I hear we've got a refining bottleneck. Who's right on that? Well, uh, you know, I think the White House making the assumption that refineries, you know, cut capacity deliberately. I mean, that's that's 
Uh, boy, that's <laughs> nefarious. Um, you know, oil companies had cut capacity not because they wanted to, but it was a forced business decision back sure. in 2020 when when airlines were parked, when you and I were parked for a couple of weeks, when, right. when very little was moving. They made a, a business decision. What do you do when faced with a massive exodus of consumption and, and plummeting prices? You, 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 know, you may go belly up. So some refineries mm-hmm. cut capacity. They idled refineries. Nobody thought that things were going to come back so fast. If they did, that they wouldn't have never idled them, and they would take advantage of higher crack spreads. But uh, huh. you don't always have the, the, the foresight to say, oh, you know, it's going to get much better in two years. So, Do they need to be incentivized to bring it back? Well, you know, I'd like to see that, especially because the Biden administration has gone after them and, and demonized them to a way that oil companies are, are, you know, you want them to spend a billion dollars investing or reopening refiners. But mm-hmm. at the same time, your policies uh, suggest that that's a poor investment. Because but that also be sounds like there is some capacity that they could return more. Well, there certainly may be some, but there's yeah. not enough necessarily to alleviate the situation fully. Not only that, but there are refineries opening abroad in, in the Middle East mm-hmm. and Asia. So there may be some help there. Uh, but Patrick, come back and see us person. again soon. I wish I had more time with Patrick DeHaan of Gas Buddy. We'll reassemble the panel next. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So should it be a gas tax holiday? Should it be a rebate card? Imagine everybody gets a road trip this summer. That is the concern. You know, you take the tax away or give the rebate card, as Patrick was describing, more the latter make things a little bit cheaper, and, well, what you're going to send demand higher, and that, of course, can send prices higher. As a war rages in Ukraine, 
And the debate continues here in Washington over what exactly big oil should be doing and what the Biden administration's posture is. We reassemble our panel. At least we have Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis with us today to help us make sense of it all. Jeannie, this uh, meeting on Thursday uh, is is going to be scrutinized. Of course, the White House is going to try to act tough, but the president's not going to be there. I thought it was interesting. Jennifer Granholm, he says, is going to be conducting this meeting. Uh, are either of these good policy? Would they would they actually make a difference for people? You know, I, I think the fact that the president is not going to be there is telling. I mean, I've talked to people just in my regular life, and the concern people have about Joe Biden is what is he doing to address this? And the idea that making decisions on things like the rebate card, mm. the, the tax mm. you know, holiday, the gas tax holiday, the meeting he's not attending, that's where Democrats, and I'm sure Republicans as well, but Democrats feel really frustrated because they want to see leadership there that they're not seeing. So, you know, I think it's a mistake for the president myself not to be there. Um, maybe there is a good reason for that. Um, and, and I am not a person who thinks that either the gas tax holiday or the rebate card are the way to go in, in mm. either of these cases. And not just to mention the small fact that they require legislation that is unlikely to get through if Nancy Pelosi, amongst all people, isn't supportive. Well, why is the president telling people he's going to make a decision on that this week, Rick, if it needs congressional approval? You know, I, I think he's just wishful thinking. I, I think the, he's throwing out these policy prescriptions that have not been fully vetted, have not been really been thought through. You just think about it, right? I mean, he's just spent a year committed to passing bipartisan infrastructure legislation. He talks about how important infrastructure is. Mm -hmm. Now, as a result of this, they'll actually take money well, out of the highway, the highway bill, which is used to build infrastructure. And <laughs> so you, you just wonder, I mean, like I see the flip flopper ad just, you know, like making oh, itself yeah. here. And, 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 you know, I can understand like exactly what kind of a bind he's in because he's campaigned heavily against, you know, oil companies, hydrocarbon as a fuel, you know, he's, he's Mr. Anti-combustion engine. And, and yet now he's sort of dragged into this relationship with them uh, to say, mm -hmm. Hey, we need help. I've got to have more production. I've got to have more refinery capacity. And of course, what businessman wants to invest in U.S. refinery capacity when the president of the United States tells him every single day that he's going to put him out of business. Mm. So, like, when you look at the big picture around this, no wonder he's skipping a meeting with oil executives. What's he going to tell them? You know, if they said, hey, look, will you commit to us that for the balance of your administration, you're going to quit picking on hydrocarbons? He's huh. going to say, no, I've got AOC on my back. i got to make her happy. Wow. So it's it's a very tough position. For Would anybody be. be building refineries? I mean, we were hearing about this a lot. In, 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 in No matter who, let's say Donald Trump was the president right now, who's going to invest in a refinery in this country without a long enough range view to make that worthwhile, Rick, you have to build a city for crying out loud. Well, we're, we're, we're net short on refinery capacity, and there's a we huge sure refinery are. in Philadelphia that's now being dismantled because a real estate firm bought it, mm -hmm. not an oil company. And so you look at this and say, wow, you know, this tells you everything you need to know. Oil companies are not investing in infrastructure. And, and I think that we're looking at a situation where we're going to become dependent upon foreign sources of refined capacity. And then it's going to be this big argument again about like, gosh, aren't we strategically vulnerable if we're getting all our oil from foreign sources? Jeannie Shanzano, it was uh, the next round, the latest round today on the January 6th committee. We saw the hearing take place midday today. This was number four, if, uh, if we're playing along on our home game. 
some really disturbing stuff today. We've heard the stories from Georgia, Brad Raffensperger, to hear extended portions of the conversation with Donald Trump was pretty remarkable. The Speaker of the Arizona House was also there, Rusty Bauer, uh, just telling remarkable stories of getting direct phone calls from the President of the United States, who, by the way, uh, weighed in on the proceedings at a rally over the weekend. Here's Donald Trump. They're con people. They're con artists. I say the unselected are supposed to be the select committee on January. You know, like these people are legitimate. Every one of them is a radical left hater. Hates all of you. Hates me even more than you. But I'm just trying to help you out. What the hell did I do? (laughs) Just happened to show up, Jeannie. Is this going to end up strengthening Donald Trump in the end? Uh, the hearings, I, I don't think so. I thought today was particularly effective. Um, and, you know, the pre- the former president can say all he wants that these are, you know, a bunch of left wing people. But the reality yeah. is what the committee has done so brilliantly in all of these hearings is they have brought up people who are conservative Republicans. Many of them worked for Donald Trump, many people that he hired who supported him and continue to be committed to the Republican Party. But as Rusty Bowers, the Republican speaker from Arizona, was so you know impactful at least mm-hmm. I thought today because he described the fact that he couldn't do something against his oath that it was against his religion and that he simply was being threatened by the president for something he wouldn't do and we heard that story over and over again there's also the election worker from Georgia you know Shea Moss and her mother who you know are working the polls we need election workers in this country and get <laughs> dragged into this and yeah. it's a story that's told over and over again so I think President Trump you know can try to say what he wants, but I think the fact that he's out there talking about this is a, you know, underscores the fact that he he recognizes that he is uh, being impacted by this in a very negative way. Rick, I know you've uh, spent time around Rusty Bowers in, in Arizona politics. Uh, we missed your insights on these hearings for a week. Are they using their time wisely? Yeah, I think the one and most important thing probably that they're doing is they're setting a a factual record around what happened after this election. You know, the big lie, the January 6th attack on the Capitol. These are people from the Trump administration, as Jeannie said, conservative elected officials from around the country who were Trump supporters, uh, in some cases still are. And 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 they're putting into the record, and it's very hard to dis- to disagree with the former attorney general, the chief of staff of the United States, aides in the White House, family members to Donald Trump. And in this case today, elected Republican officials from key states where they lost, it was in their interest to win. When they lost, they said, we got to do the right thing and declare a loss and and go about it uh, uh-huh. uh, the right way. And for Rusty Bowers to get up there and do what he did, it's, it's bad politics for him at home. You know, there's there's a lot of Trumpers uh, that that run the Republican Party of Arizona, and and, and yet, are threatening his life and family, as threatening well as his we family's heard. well-being, and and he took he took the high road. And so I hope people actually, you know, so many people say, oh well, you know, these elected officials are all a bunch of bums, are all a bunch of, mm. you know, uh, ingrates, and and they don't do work. 
This has been a really good example of the fact that there are people like Rusty Bauer and Brad Raffschenberger who are doing the hard work and are being honorable. And it should hopefully reinstill in the American public's eyes the fact that there are honorable elected officials, certainly especially within the Republican Party, who kept bad things from happening. To be clear, Jeannie, these are conservative Republicans. These are not, you know, people who were voting for Joe Biden. They actually voted twice for Donald Trump. That's right. And, and you know, I believe in many cases, as Rick just said, these are people in some cases who still support Donald Trump. They still prefer him to Joe Biden. <laughs> right. They very much would have liked to see him win. And let's not forget, you know, Donald Trump is just about the only Republican who lost in 2020. Republicans yeah. did incredibly well in state houses across the country and made up many seats in the House and tied the Senate. And they would have probably taken the Senate if Donald Trump hadn't impacted the Georgia race so negatively. So, you know, there is also that challenge of you know, it was only his race that seems to have been miscounted. Mm-hmm. Everybody else's wasn't. So, right. you know, from any perspective, it's a very difficult case to make. Really remarkable to hear uh, Brad Raffensberger explain 28,000, I believe it was, uh, Republicans voted, did not vote for president, though. They voted down ballot. The, the, the members of Congress running in Georgia had 28,000 more legitimate votes than the president. What does that tell you, Rick, about decisions that were being made in the voting booth? Uh, I think you hit the nail right on the head. This is something that most people have not paid any attention to, but it actually exists in most of the 50 states. And that is that Donald Trump underperformed the Republican base vote. When you talk about Republican base vote being, um, uh, uh, you know, people who voted for members of Congress and in Georgia during the general election, not the runoff where we lost two Senate races, but in the general election, there were more people voting for House members totally in the state by 28,000, which, by the way, was almost double the the loss um, uh, of number of votes that he lost the state by. So uh, if he'd have just gotten a base Republican vote, he'd have won. Would have been no contest. Jeannie, I'm really taken in our remaining minute here just by the threats we've been hearing, that's one consistent thread among several in these hearings is that the witnesses were threatened, their families, their children, their spouses, in some cases, disgusting sexual uh, messages and threats against them. And it does make you think about Adam Kinzinger over the weekend saying that there is more violence to come. How worried are you about it? I'm extremely worried. The threats against him and his family are disgusting and outrageous. Uh, we've heard the the political violence talk, if you will, the rhetoric, particularly on the Republican side. You look at the GOP convention down in Texas. You look at Eric Grayton's, uh, you know, ad that was out and, and Facebook yeah. took down. It, it's very, very frightening out there. This is why we have this conversation every day. Rick, it's great to have you back. Jeannie, of course. We'll be back together tomorrow on the Fastest Hour in Politics with our signature panel. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Thanks for spending some time with us. Hey, it's primary day. We haven't even gotten to that. We'll be talking results tomorrow. And subscribe to the Sound On podcast. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.